Well, to all the moms as well, happy Mother's Day. Moms are so special. I tell you, every, uh, every child needs a mom, every child needs a dad, amen? Very, very, very critical components of, uh, of growing up in life, amen? So I wanted to ask you guys, uh, anyone willing to share some, there was a moment in that worship there where we went quiet and like everyone just started praying in tongues. Like, was it so cool? Did you, do you want to share anything specific about it? Did something happen or? No, no, you got to come here. No, you, oh, it felt like a? Unity. Like a unity, hey? Yeah, Jesus. Any, Wow. Standing together, unbreakable, unbeatable. She's anxious. Guys, I just want to emphasize how important it is as the body when we come into, into the room that our hearts are so open because at any moment, mm. at any moment, God can use you to give a word to somebody else in, this, in the congregation. Yeah. So never think that <clears throat> God can't use me. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to sing a couple of songs and I'm just going to worship God or whatever. If your heart is open, I promise you, he could press something in your heart. You could deliver a word to somebody that they need to hear right here, right now. And it could change their entire life. Mm. It might just be the fact that you pick up on something that God has given them about, uh, about business, about relationship, about health, about whatever. They might be in a place right now where they are trusting God for, for I hate to use the word breakthrough, because Christ has broken through everything. Amen? We need to break into what Christ has done. Yeah, Amen? And the thing is, is that um, at any time, God can use you. Yeah. So if we, if we don't come into the unity during the worship, we might miss out. And let me tell you something. It's better than winning a million bucks than when God uses you to go and give somebody a word to change their lives. Yeah. You will have an, a, a fulfillment inside of you. Because you know why? You've actually now taken the love of God, received it, and given it out. Are you with me? That's why you are here. You are here to love God and love people. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about your fraught old self. It's about your fraught neighbor. <laughs> that Jesus says you must love. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. So remember, guys, it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are. I've seen little babies, teenagers, toddlers give words to adults. Yeah. I've seen it happen. You know, so listen, we just got to be so open that God can use us, be His channel of, of love. Amen? That's it. Amen. You know, and, it, and it all hinges on the heart that's willing to receive. That's why it's, uh, it's whether it's a five-year-old or someone on the other side of the spectrum, you know, whichever side that is, but it, it's all about having a heart that is willing to receive. You know, when you walk in here, uh, how many people are there here today? Probably about 80, 90, somewhere there. I mean, you think about it, unique hearts in this place, 1900 unique hearts, right? So many different things happening in every single heart here this morning. And if we come in here in, in moments like this and we're trying to, we're just going to be like, okay, we're just going to sing these songs, cool, thanks, you know. But we've been talking about humility. We've been talking about, you know, uh, having faith like Jesus. We've been talking about having that posture that can receive, right? Imagine if we walk in here with a heart that's open and saying, Lord, we don't know what's in store here this morning. We don't know all the people who are coming in. But we trust you. We are opening our hearts, and we're going to go the way you want us to go this morning. 
Amen? And man, when we do that every day in our lives, you know, but we're talking about this scenario here this morning. When we do that, right, we can experience just that glimpse we had this morning. We can experience so much more. Because you must remember, God works through people, right? Every blessing you're going to experience in life is going to come through a person. Are you guys with me? We see that in the Bible. God followed through his will. His plan for salvation happened through men who were willing to follow him, right? Who submitted themselves to him. Are you guys with me? So always have that in mind, guys. Put yourselves in that place. Are you with me? Put yourself in that place. Clear it out. And open it up and say, Lord, we're here for you. We are listening. Our hearts are open. Amen. Amen. Guys, you won't believe when we have moments like that, after the service, people will come and tell me, God told me to tell someone so-and-so this. And I know what's going on in most of people's lives. I'm the pastor of the church. We'll be the pastors. So when I hear somebody come and tell me that they went and gave so-and-so a word like this, I'm like, wow, God, you're so good. After a service, sometimes I'll hear up to like 15, 20 stories of what happened in that moment. Yeah. So miracles are happening. We're not just singing songs, guys. Amen? We're not just singing songs. And we've got to understand that. We've got to understand. That's what we, our heart is. Our heart is to show you how to worship in that place where not only you receive, but you receive for others. Amen? Give God a big round of applause. He is so amazing. Amen. Amen. You know that, uh, that, that thing that you were, <laughs> you were saying now about you know, Pastor Diddy, someone came today and gave me this word. It was just what I needed, you know. And it's so funny because the person who gave the word, they, they will share with you how for minutes they were there just worshiping. And the Holy Spirit's like, listen, just tell them this. They're like, no, 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 no. And then they carry on worship. Holy Spirit's like, tell them this. And they're like, no, Lord. So he tells you a third time. And then what you do is you turn to that person and you look at them. But that person's like, you know, and then you're like, nah, they can't need it. I, I don't think they need it. No, it's cool. It's fine. You know, and then you negotiate again and again. Two or three minutes later, you're like, okay, let me just tell this person. Listen, God says he loves you. And that person just breaks down crying. He's like, you don't know how I needed to hear that. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is that when God leads us in these, in these kind of manners, right, in, in this way, what happens is, is that internally, don't include yourself in any of it, guys. Don't. This is where humility becomes critical. Because if God's telling you, listen, just go and tell this person I love them. Or tell them that maybe it's something specific. Tell them this, if they've been thinking about this, they should go for it, right? That sounds very heavy, and we should always treat it with the highest regard, right? But go and tell that person. If you're wrong, that's fine. They'll be like, okay, well, thank you. I'll think about it. Well, I'll chew on it or whatever. But if you're right, if you're right, think about what it means to that person that you're speaking to. Because you know what that's going to confirm in their hearts? Wow. God sees me. God knows me. God's interested. Are you with me? But what happens in those moments, we negotiate because we judge ourselves whether or not we're worthy to give the word. Yeah. Hello? Come on, we're talking about real stuff here. Anyone uh, admit it? Just put up your hand. How many yeah. times have you felt something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like if you've got, a, if you've got a, a, a sore ankle, I'm giving you a strange example, but if you've got a sore ankle and God tells you, tell the people in the church that someone has a sore ankle and you must pray for them. Then immediately you're like, but Lord, my ankle is sore. How can I pray for people who have sore ankles? It's not about you, bud. <laughs> turn around, turn to the person next and say, it's not about you, bud. 
It's not about you, bud. Yeah. You see, you must remember, right? The key to God's word being worthy is him, not you. The key to God's word being powerful is him, not you. Are you guys with me? So when you have moments like that, and when you come in to settings like this, even when you go out every day in your normal routine, guys, make your heart posture that, is that, listen, today, the only justification, the only worthiness that I can accept is what Christ has given me. Are you guys with me? The Bible tells us that he was raised to life for our justification, right? Now, here's the thing. If Jesus was not alive today, you have no guarantee that you have peace with God. Why do you think all the other religions are still hoping? What do the Muslims say? Inshallah. By the will of Allah. You know, whatever it is, you know? All the rest of the people are like the universe or energy or I don't know, whatever else they're talking about, right? Hare Krishna, Salam Babu, whatever it is. The only energy some of them can muster up is uh, re coffee in the Yay. morning. No, you need something a bit stronger. Maybe Jacobs. Not this Jacobs. No. <laughs> but are you guys with me? As believers of Jesus, the sons and daughters of God, we have something, right? We have something that nothing else in the world can have. And you know what that is? It is the full assurance that comes with faith. Are you with me? And that full assurance has nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with your knowledge of the word or your experience and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That full assurance is purely based on the fact that Christ is alive right now, seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Amen? So, when moments like that come up and God tells you, I want you to go and speak to this person. I want you to go pray for that person. I want you to, to just ask this person how they're doing. If you're spending time at home and you're praying and God brings someone up in your heart, pray for that person. Call them. Say, hey, how you doing? I just had you on my heart. You don't need a specific person, a uh, specific purpose, sorry. You're going to phone them and be like, yo, what's happening? They'll be like, what's up? You're like, how you doing? No, cool. Oh, that's like a, no, I just had you on my heart. Thought I'd say, how's it? Oh, cool, thanks. If the call ends there, great. <laughs> if it goes on further, Great. But let's not mess with the justification that Jesus paid with his life for. Amen? And that goes the same in our personal lives, guys. Do you know that the key to receiving is worthiness? Do you know that? Right? Now, worthiness hangs on this, all right? Hangs on this is that how do you measure your worth? How do you make yourself deserving of it? That's the key, right? And you will find people who are very focused on their own performance, they struggle to receive. Someone will come and say, oh, no, you didn't have to, shame, you know? Remember they used that gift example. Or was it Wednesday or Sunday? Uh, was it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday? Oh, it was a bit of both. So I'll, I'll use that example again where Pastor Didi brought it up about how this is how, this is how low our worthiness is or how uh, lacking we are of humility, right? Someone will give us a gift, Free. Now, it's bad that we have to say free gift because a gift is free. That's because of TBN, guys. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the guys on TBN? Pay $10 They're and like, get your free gift. If you give $10 towards my ministry, you'll get a free gift. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. You know? Look, some seriously confused folks. 
But the language is letting us down. Free is free. Right? Free is free. And a gift is a gift, you know? And the thing is this now, is, you know, they give it to us. And inside we're like, oh, no, shame, you know? And then we're like, no, I gotta, when it's their birthday now, I've got to give them something back. You know, oh, but they bought me this. You know, all that kind of stuff. We attach all these strings to it. Because at the core of it, we're measuring whether we're worthy of it or not. Now, if we can do something like that with something so trivial as a normal gift, how much more the favor of the one true God? Hello? Do you know that God's favor upon your life is undeserved? It's unearned, right? His grace, his undeserved, unearned favor on your life. It means that the amount of grace that is upon your life, available to you, right? You can't make it more or less. Ephesians tells us, until every single one of us is given grace equal to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, I don't know about you guys, but did you ever take some time to quantify what that means? How do we quantify the measure of the gift of Christ? I mean, what, what would that look like? Is it a, a billion rand? Is, okay, let's not use rands. Pounds. Is it a billion pounds? Is it a trillion pounds? Is it, what is it? The life of God himself. What does it mean to you? What number comes to mind? Because, guys, this is the truth we've been given. This is the grace that God has made available to us through Christ's finished work. Are you with me? Now, if that is the truth, how much are we willing to receive in our own hearts? Because we touched on last week, and, we, and, and Tasso explained last week about how that in the Hebrew, the picture of humility is the open hand before God. Right? Now, we've, now we've explained that humility is doing badly or being poor or being quiet, you know, all this stuff. But he was explaining last week that it's actually your ability to receive. That's what it is. Because we need to be in the position to understand that in and of ourselves, we, are, we have nothing. We are nothing. Are you guys with me? We can't even make our lungs work consciously. We're like, okay, lungs. And then someone talks to us immediately. And the minute we stop thinking about our lungs, they just carry on working. Stay there. Stay there. I want to yeah. mention this quote and then you, get, you pick it up. Because it's a quote that we had from Discipleship School on Wednesday. And this is, this is such a beautiful quote. It's a bit long, but listen to it carefully. And it says, best of all our works and performance, the greatest posture we can display. All of our happiness for now and eternity is achieved and experienced in presenting ourselves as an empty vessel. Hello? Presenting ourselves as an empty vessel in which God can dwell and manifest His power and goodness. Amen. Shoo. The best of all your works is you emptying yourself out so that God can fill you up in that moment. That's the best you can bring. Amen? Amen. But why? Why can't we do it? Why is it, I need to share my revelation I got from last night's prayer with God, or I need to do this at church tomorrow, I need to do that. Those things are cool. Go and get those scriptures into your heart, and that's for you to convince your own heart of who you are in Christ. 
But when it's time to serve, come empty so that God can use you. You're standing in the bank. Just open your mouth. <laughs> open your mouth. You'll fill it, and a, and, a, and a word of purpose and power will come through you if we will just get over ourselves. That's it. Amen? That's it. And it's such, it's such a huge thing, guys, because, you know, we think that because we need, right, God needs. Do you know it's incorrect to believe that God needs anything? You cannot put God and need in the same sentence. Because the word calls him what? The all-sufficient one. He lacks nothing. Now, for us to process that is difficult because all we know every day is all we need. Physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, all these things, we know our needs so well, right? And because we've lived a life of fighting to fulfill these things, when we come to God, we, we, we tend to automatically think He needs something from us, right? Yeah, we, we just continue the fight with Him. God needs me to, no, God doesn't need you to do anything, just breathe, all right? Everything that God has given to us, whether through Jesus or instruction in the word has been purely for our benefit and for the benefit of the ones around us, right? God never had to do anything to get something. Hello? Even his work at the cross, he had no guarantee people would follow. You think he went around for a petition? It's like, uh, please sign this board. I'm going to give my life. You're going to be saved. And then when he was resurrected, he's like, bring my clipboard. All right. Uh, Simon Bar Jonah, yeah, okay, you signed. Come, you must be saved now. Come believe. Uh, no, he didn't do that. You know, it's like it's almost like those. Uh, you know, when you when you sign up on websites and stuff, it's like, would you like to opt in for marketing? Jesus didn't do that, guys. He came and gave his life as a testimony of his own nature, and his nature is giving. His nature is life-producing. Are you with me? But the key to receiving it, right, is we must believe that he's made us worthy of it. Now, that's a tricky one, right? Because everyone here has a different measure for their own worth, right? Pastor Jesus sitting here, he could think his measure of his worth is how clean his laptop is, right? I could be... I was trying to come up with an example, but that's what I came. It's yeah. pretty good. It's, it is good, it's right? right. <laughs> I could be sitting here and I could be like, the measure of my worth is how clean my shoes are. Don't look at my shoes. They're not clean at all, okay? My dad will tell you, the biggest burden in his life is looking at my dirty shoes, but it's fine. We all have different measures of our worth. But if you're a believer of Jesus... Right? If you believed in his gospel and you were born again, you are called to change the benchmark of your own worthiness. You're called to put, a, put to death whatever benchmark you held to and to take up his benchmark. Because the Bible tells us, as he is now seated at the right hand of God, so are we in this world. The Bible tells us that we are now in him. We died and we are now in him. So the measurement of our worth, ladies and gentlemen, is Christ. But pastor, you don't know. I don't need to know. The problem is not me knowing your benchmark. The problem is you not knowing Christ's benchmark. A lot of people used to come to me over the years. 
and they tell me the problems. I'm like, okay, cool, but you know, and, and now we start talking about the word. It's like, but you don't understand. I'm like, you don't understand, <laughs> you know? Because this is not about understanding the intricacies of your problems or your lack or your history or what you've been through. This is about believing and trusting in who God is and what Christ has done and to take your worthiness from him. Amen? amen? That's a good place to say amen, Lou. Well done. <laughs> now listen, let's go to Romans 5. <laughs> Where's our laptop person? He's on, he's on a recess. Dill, we're going to pray for an extra set of arms for you, bro. I'm telling you. Okay, let's just get another helper. It's fine. That's easier. <laughs> now look, let's go to the Romans 5.15. I want to show you, right? I want to show you something. Romans 5.15. Are you guys with us this morning? We're going somewhere here. Because, you know, we've been talking about humility. We've been talking about having faith in all these things, right? But here's how we put it into practice, okay? We've been discussing the mechanics. We've been discussing the thoughts, the emotions, the habits, all that stuff. This is how we get to the brass tacks of it, okay? Everybody say, woo! I'm ready for the word. Let's read it. I, I, thought, you, I thought you were a choo-choo train. I'm like, that's a bad train. Woo-woo! Choo-choo! Okay. To be sure. Okay, give me NIV, please. Sorry, man. You know these pastors with all their translations. Ish. Nor can the gift of oh, 15. Thanks, man. But the gift is not like the trespass. Now, if you guys know Romans, he's talking about Adam and Jesus. Okay. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Now listen, all your personal benchmarks, your disqualifications, all that stuff, that was all in the trespass of Adam. You are now called to receive the gift that came by Jesus. Amen? 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. Right? That's your own benchmarks, your own stories, whatever. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification you have a reason you have a reason to let it go you have a reason to let go the condemnation the guilt the regret the disqualification the low self-worth you have a reason to let it go next for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man how much more will those who what what say Lala. come on Receive. Did it say try hard? Did it say do more? Did it say get more? What did it say? Receive. God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that gets me excited. Because if you just take one second and you just entertain the old man for one second, you're going to realize there is neither capacity, ability, nor qualification to reign in life. There is only justification for lack, for limitation, for loss, for corruption. But here we are being told that if you want to reign in life, you need to receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness that has come through Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. The word is amazing. Yes. Eh? We, we haven't even broken it down. No, we we just read so it like beautiful. that. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Y'all going to get me fired up here this morning. Praise the Lord. 
right? Because this is what it's about. Come on, let's go, Grunts. I got to bring that back. That was good back in those years, right? Now, here's the thing, okay? If you are holding to your limitations, you know, your, your regrets, your, oh, whatever will be, will be, right? God is still who he is. There is not a single human being alive to come or ever was that could say something or act in a way that will change who God is. Let's, let's get that sorted out. Number two, there is no human being alive now to come or ever was that could do something or say something to change or reverse what Jesus has done. Amen? Right? That's why Paul says, don't ask for, for Christ to come back down off the throne and Lord, die for me again, please. I just need a reminder, Lord. So no matter what your posture is, whether you're still limited, condemned, guilty, lacking, whatever it is, God's still the same. His grace has still been provided. Jesus is still glorified at the right hand of the Father. The work is still finished. So let me ask you a question. The key to receiving God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness that came by Jesus, right? Who's the responsibility with? Ah, that went well. Yeah, I'm joking. That wasn't a trick question. The responsibility is with us, guys. You know, <laughs> I was chatting to, I think as you and I were chatting on Thursday, you know. And you know, sometimes in life you meet people, you know, and even believers, when you're around them, man, they just suck all the life out of you. But they claim to believe in Jesus. You know, and, and it's like, they're like, yeah, you know, God is good, but you know, it's, it's, and they go through the last five minutes like it's 10,000 years that it was so tough, you know? And afterwards, you're like, oh, man, God, are you still good? Like, whew, that person, like, what? You know? You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm seeing some chuckles, right? Now people are like, oh, but Bash, you don't know my situation. You don't know this. I love you, man, and, and woman, everyone here, family. I love you guys, right? And I want to tell you, there's a way out. I want to tell you that you don't have to stay there. It's your choice to. But if you choose to believe, there is peace waiting for you. There is joy waiting for you. There's love waiting for you. What about my problems? Your problems exist because you don't have those things first. If you had all those things and you were whole and you were walking with God and one with him, being led by his spirit, you would live a peaceful life. How could you say that? I know, I'm doing it. How does he know? He's doing it. How do we know? We read this book. It says we do it. Are you guys with me? Right? So the responsibility, ladies and gentlemen, is on you. You know, people, people who wait for God to do something, to change their circumstance, to, to get them out of their, like what, what self-consciousness. God, give me a sign. Let gold fall from the rafters, these red rafters, Lord. Hallelujah. Right? God, do something. You know, people who are doing that, right? They are so prideful in their heart that they're telling God he did badly. He hasn't done enough. Do it again, God. Yeah, there's a song like that, yeah. And God's like, my child, when Have you not seen? Have you not heard? Have you not tasted? It is finished. 
Amen? Come on. Now here's the thing. Our biggest problem is this. We do not want the responsibility of managing ourselves. Why are you letting me say all the things this morning, man? I'm getting hater eyes here. I'm, you coming with choo-choo jokes. I'm sensing the fire. Go for it. <laughs> we do not want the responsibility of managing ourselves. Ah, uh, you know, you know, Pastor, you know, hey, I've been trying, but you know, this body, hey, it just wants things. I'm like, excuse me? Your body is a programmable system. You are made in the likeness and image of God, and you're telling me this little meat suit is controlling you. Can you just stand up and take charge of your body? How do I do that? Fast. Practice restraining your body. Hello? How's about some discipline, guys? We can't just run on our impulses and our feelings and our thoughts. If we are in Christ, you think, you think Jesus is sitting there, you know, like, like when, when we say, like, now this is the image, you know, and I want you guys to get this image, right? So we're sitting there, right? And then let's say, let's say lust is a problem. Hey, so a lady walks past, right? And the guy's like, you think Jesus is there and he's going, oh, I don't want to look, I don't want to look, oh my goodness, oh, I don't want to look. You think he's doing that? <laughs> Everyone's laughing, but hello. We need to get to the brass text of this, guys. We need to understand that we, if we are experiencing things that are not congruent with the nature of God, it's our responsibility to firstly take accountability, right? And to place our trust in the Holy Spirit to already bring us to the place that's already inside of us. Hello? And I'm telling you now, if you lack that personal responsibility, that's your number one sign that you're not humble. Because if you can't manage your faculties, who's going to do it for you? People say, hey, you know, Pastor, I've got a personal trainer, eh? So no, it's like a but what you benching now, eh? Yo, lekker. No, I'm eating uh, 200 grams of protein a day, eh? It's good. It's good, Pastor. Look, you know, like, yeah. Okay, fine. Great. I love it. Go for it. Fitness, health, amazing. When the personal trainer disappears, what happens? Hello? You know, we use the example, Grant's not going to be at your bed at 5.30 in the morning when you have to wake up. He's not going to come there with a nice guitar, acoustic picking thing to wake you up in the glory of the Lord. It'd be great if he could, you know? Diddy's not going to be there and say, hey, man, he's not going to, like, you know, come on, get out of bed, come on, use your faith. Diddy's not going to be there next to your bed to do that. If you guys want, it's, it's a thousand rand an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, if it's a thousand rand an hour, no one's going to hit that snooze button, that's for sure. <laughs> Imagine Diddy's there next to your bed, come on, amazing grace, let's get up now. He's like, wait, Diddy, doot. ten minutes time, he's like... Are you guys with me, right? You know, Paul makes a statement. Is it, is it 2 Timothy, I think? Uncle Mark, what was it? 2 Timothy? Where he beat his body to submission? Somewhere there. Yeah, anyway. We were chatting about it a week or two ago, right? And he says, he says, I have beaten my body to submission so that I may claim the reward, so that I may not miss out on it, right? Now, here's the thing. Is God withholding anything from you? I'm going to ask you one more time. Is God withholding anything from you? Why? Because Christ has qualified you. Amen? And it's already done. It's already been given. Now, if you are missing something in your life, 
If you're experiencing lack in any area, if you have a limitation in any area, who is creating that limitation? The devil, no. Who's creating the limitation? Now here's the thing, you being a believer, right? There's lots of believers running around today fighting the devil. Are you telling me that the devil is stronger than Jesus? Are you telling me that he who is in you is weaker than he who is in the world? That's not what scripture says, right? Scripture says he who is in you is greater than he is in the world. So are any of you going to spend time fighting the devil from now on? I hope not. If I catch one of you, I won't tell you what will happen, right? Now, listen. So anywhere we're having these limitations or these lack, right, these areas of lack, what must we acknowledge? We must acknowledge that, Lord, I'm missing it here. We must acknowledge that, Holy Spirit, I'm the limitation in this. Because the fact that God himself is alive in your spirit, in the same meat suit we were talking about, he's alive inside of you, you think he's going to place the limitation? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Now listen, if you were here for our Easter service, you know what it was like there in death. Go read the book of Jonah, it tells you. And we even broke it down even more. You know, Tasso came with the five D's and then we were talking about, you know, all this stuff. You know, it, it was crazy. But the spirit that brought him out of that is the same spirit alive inside of us. No, hold on a second. We have just got to stop being mopey, depressed, full of excuses, brat children. Hello? Now listen, I'm not saying this for you guys to start performing or for you guys to do better. I'm saying this for you guys to wake up. Paul said, awake to righteousness and sin not. Awake to righteousness and you won't be stuck in your condemnation and your past and your limitations. Oh no, but I need specific help. Don't start there. Start by believing. If you need specific help, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. But first, disconnect from identifying with that thing. Start identifying with who you are in Jesus. Now, all that we've been talking about hasn't been about to look humble. Hasn't been about to look like a better child of God. It's been about this. Can you receive God's abundant provision of grace and his gift of righteousness? Can you receive it? Or do you want your own way? Can you receive it or do you want your limitations? Do you want your lack? Do you want your drama? Bash, you don't know what's going on. You're not receiving. Bash, my problem. You're not receiving. And this is not me, have, not me not having compassion or not having mercy or not understanding. This is me telling you that everything you're looking for, you're finding in that. You know, leaving someone in the dog kennel and saying, oh, shame. That's not compassion. That's not compassion. Compassion is, listen, the kennel's not for you. There's a room prepared for you. Someone sleeping on the pavement, you say, listen, Butz, I understand. How'd you get here? And he gives you the 30-year story about it was apartheid, and then this came in, and you know, all this stuff and everything. And you say, oh, shame, I understand, Butz, it's cool. No. You tell him all of that stuff doesn't matter. God's got a way. God sees you. He loves you. Come, there's a room prepared for you. Are you guys with me? Can you receive? Don't have sympathy for the devil. Don't have sympathy for the devil. 
the lie of the devil that's causing these people to stay in that place. Don't sit there and sympathize with it. Have empathy. Pull them out of it. Encourage them out of it by faith. Do it for yourself. Amen? Do it for yourself. Every word, every notion, every concept, anything that puts a limitation on you and makes you feel less than who you are in Christ is sin. And we know who's the father of sin. It's the devil. Don't have sympathy for the devil and his nonsense. He's a defeated fool. Sorry, a foe. Full foe. Foe, fool. He can be both. He's both. <laughs> the Bible says anyone who thinks that he's greater than God is a fool. Did he not think he's greater than God? Has he not been whipped? Upside down. He's a finished foe. Amen? So don't, don't spend time you know, uh, thinking that the only reason why I can't receive is because the devil is blocking my blessings. We're not in the book of Daniel anymore. Jesus has come. Amen? Jesus has done something. He's changed it. Are you with me, folks? Amen. As Christ is, so are we. Amen? Right now, in this moment. Can you practice to receive? I mean, shut down all of your Christianese. Shut down all that you've ever been taught in church. Shut it down. And just come to the place where you are learning to receive from God. That's it. Amen? If you can learn to take, uh, I can't remember the scripture, but Jesus said, uh, uh, David says, Psalms. you know, when you give, he says, Lord, all that you've given me, is, it's so much. I don't even know what to say. I don't know what will be the worthy response for all that you've done for me and all that you've given me. And the next line he says, I know what will be the, the best thing to do. The best response will be to take some more. Take some more. Amen? Just take. Learn to receive. Get that pride out of the way. Get yourself out of the way. Get as low as possible, as quick as possible, yep. and just receive. Yep. Amen? And you know that receiving, you have got to trust that God is just. It means that even when he gives, it's right that he gave the way he gave. Jesus himself said, he says, I do not give to you the way the world gives to you. Now, we could have many reasons as to why we think people give to us. Strings attached, you know, then we get whether or not we deserve it or not. But he said, I do not give to you the way the world does. So your key to receiving, guys, is faith. You have to trust that, Lord, if you've given this, I have to trust that it's good. I have to trust that it's in order. I have to trust it's just. Amen? I have to trust that through Jesus, I'm deserving of it. Because you're giving it, I need to take it. Are you with me? Now, here's the thing. Everything we've been talking about this morning. Let's go to John 17. Oof. Now, you guys know John 17. Oh, man. If they ever made, if they ever made like an epic like Lord of the Rings or, you know, whatever. Like, like John 17 would be that scene where everyone's like, <laughs> you know, like, geez, they go crazy. Because this is Jesus praying before he's about to start his journey to the cross. Now, um, there's, there's three sections to that. He first prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. And then he prays for you and I. He prays for all the believers, right? Uh, 1720. Let's start there. Thanks, Ads. Now, 
It would be important that what Jesus prayed for us, we should take note of. Because if there's anyone in the word who knew how to pray, it was him, right? He even had moments where he said, don't pray like they pray. This is how you pray. He taught us how to pray, right? So let's, uh, let's go here from verse 20, okay? So now check this out. This is, now I want you guys to just take a moment and use your imagination to, to create some context, okay? Because it's so important that when we read the word, guys, we need to create the, the, the scenarios of the word that create that reality in our lives. We need to know what it would feel like to be there. We need to know what it feels like, what it looks like to have this word working in my life, all right? So here's some context, all right? Jesus now obviously has lived his life, right? The entire region is buzzing about who this guy is. But he knows in his heart the time is nigh, right? He's had the last, uh, the last supper with his disciples, you know, where he's, he's explained what needs to happen. He's put Peter in his place. He says, well, I got to do this, okay? And they're telling him, no, don't go, don't go. He's like, don't worry. You're going to be okay. I have to go because the one who's coming is going to testify of me. I have to make way for him. Anyway, they go through the night. The disciples have probably fallen asleep at this point or whatever, you know? And he gets down on his knees. He looks up to heaven and he prays. And he starts preparing his own heart for what he's about to go through. Now, a lot of people think Jesus was just a robot. He just came to take things, he walked through, whatever it is. Listen, I don't care what kind of robot you are, right? But let me tell you, when the flesh is being ripped off your back, you're going to feel very human. Are you guys with me? When they're beating you and spitting on you and cursing you, the same people you healed, the same people you sat and listened to, the people you revealed the Father to, Trust me, Jesus was as human as you and I. He's on his knees, he's looking to heaven, and he starts preparing his heart. He starts praying. And like we've taught you, he starts reconciling his heart to God's heart. And for his own heart, for what he's about to endure, he starts confessing, and he starts speaking in line with God's heart. And he goes through, and he, you know, you can go read it. He prays for himself. And now he starts considering what his disciples are about to go through. Because he's now become an enemy of the state. You know? Not the Roman state, because they can't find anything wrong with him. His own people have found problem with him. And he starts considering what's about to happen to his disciples. Because he knows the minute he gets arrested, they're on their own. That's why he wasn't shocked. He told Peter what Peter was going to do before he did it. He said, Peter, when this happens, don't be shocked. You're going to deny me, but it's cool. I'm coming back. And he starts considering them. Now he's walked this journey with all 12 of them. Imagine the nerves in his heart. Imagine the anxiety he was feeling. Imagine the heartache to think that these men that he has walked with and, and shown the true nature of God. Imagine the, the pressure they're about to go through. The compassion he's become overwhelmed with. And he just prays. He's like, Lord, keep them safe. And then he comes down and he looks beyond the cross. And he starts considering you and me. And look at what he prays. Jesus prays for all believers. Verse 20, he says, My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just 
as you are in me and I am in you. We don't pray like that. We come with a shopping list. Let's go again. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We don't pray for people to see Jesus in us. We say, Lord, move. Fix my problems, Lord. 22. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. We pray to see God's glory. We don't thank him for the glory he's given us in Jesus. Right? I in them and you in me. Some Christians even pray and say, Lord, I hope you hear me. He's saying we're in him. Are you guys with me? So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Some believers walk around wondering, does God even love me? Oh, no, look at my life. Yeah, Jesus is saying, when we become one, they're going to know that you love them the way you love me. Amen? 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. He's praying this for you. He's praying this for me. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now compare... Our prayer list that we have with what Jesus prayed for us. You know, you could take these 26 verses of the Bible and you could chew on them for weeks. And you can ask yourself, wait a minute, is my heart in congruency with what Jesus is saying there? Because he's talking about us being one and me experiencing a love and me being a testimony to people wherever I go that God is alive. But is that what I'm putting in my heart? See, because God doesn't control what I put in my heart. He doesn't control what you put in your heart. He said, I've given you a new heart. What does that mean? That old broken one that was beyond repair? He says, right, take him out. You got a new one. Put the right things in it. Are you guys with me? We can still put old things in our new heart. Then we're going to have a bit of a detour and a pothole and a speed bump. We got to understand that. But back to the point, this prayer that he's praying here. Are we taking the responsibility and the discipline to make sure that this is in our hearts? Because you see, what he's praying there has been fulfilled. When he was raised to life again and he ascended to the throne and he put his blood on the altar and he sat down at the right hand of God, it was finished. This here is now possible. Are we testing are we searching? Are we being diligent in pursuing that we are walking in this? Or are we too prideful thinking that our problems are more important than this? Are we so carnal that our problems are more real than the finished work of Jesus? Am I diminishing your problem? No, I'm glorifying Jesus. 
Because your problem's not even on the same map as Jesus. You know why? Because he beat every single one. He conquered it all. To the point where he conquered death. Church, let's take the responsibility. Let's humble ourselves and let's receive. Let's humble ourselves and let's, let's get ourselves in the same heart that Jesus had for us. Let's put ourselves, you know, you can choose to desire something. Ask anyone who's been on a diet. I love this broccoli and chicken. It's delicious. You can do that. And you do it enough, you know what's going to happen? Your mind's going to be like, oh, I love broccoli and chicken. You want a chocolate, they'll be like, where's the broccoli and chicken? Start taking accountability. We don't have miracles to give you. Jesus is not getting off the throne. He's not going to endure that cross again. So wake up every morning. Even if it takes you 15 minutes earlier, get this thing in order. Get your focus on Jesus. And let's stop being sissies. Because we're walking around saying, I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. We're not congruent with him. Now, why is that important? That doesn't mean God's changing the way he's dealing with you. Your justification before God is set. Nothing you can do can change that. You're justified before God. But what people have done to confuse that justification is that they've taken this justification before each other. And they've made it that that's how we act with God. We don't. We are in Christ. We are justified. But now being justified, sons and daughters, let's take the responsibility and let's be justified before our brothers and sisters. Let's be justified before our unsaved brothers and sisters. Are you with me? Our family, our colleagues, our friends. Let us show them our holiness. Let's make them jealous of the life we're living because we are in Christ. What good is it to the world if we're worse off than them? Amen? You better step in here at some point, Pastor Didi. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I came to church this morning. Wow. Come on, isn't it amazing? Give God a round of applause. Come on. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We just, talk, we just spoke about getting out of the way of the Holy Spirit. Why do you want me to get in the way? The Holy Spirit's flowing. Let him flow. I'm getting eyes here, man. Yes, it's getting crazy. Getting eyes? <laughs> Amen. Guys, I love you guys. And Jesus loves you. Choose to receive. Romans 5, what it told us. Choose to lay down your justification. Take up Christ's justification. Bash, how long is it going to take? Well, how much do you want to work at it? No, I've been trying it for two hours now. What have you accomplished in your life in two hours? Huh? <laughs> That's what they do. I, I, I used to do that. I was like, Lord, it's been three hours. Can you just show up? I was like, dude, you haven't even begun to experience the word in your heart. You must remember, you cannot, Jim Richards said this, and it's so true, biblical, you cannot experience any kind of transformation unless you experience it in your heart first. People want to change everything external without changing the heart. See what Jesus prayed for here? He didn't pray for anything external. He didn't pray that you would have enough. And that you would never get sick and, you know, that you would never have a fight or a difficult circumstance. He didn't do that. Yeah, he's praying for your heart. Does that mean you don't have all that stuff? No, he knew if he has your heart, you got everything. If you're one with him, you've got everything. 
It's all a side effect of his nature. Are you guys with me? I said I wasn't going to speak anymore. It's fine. <laughs> Why don't you close your eyes right there? Just close your eyes, open your hearts. You know, this is the one thing that we want you to leave with this morning. Be conscious of receiving. Practice receiving. If you're getting a gift from a man, from a child or a friend or a, f- a family member, a parent, um, just receive that gift without any of those add-ons. Just learn to receive it. Practice it with each other. And then turn your eyes to the Lord and learn to receive from Him. Everything is about your power to receive. It's all about your power to receive. And what power do you need to receive? Just give your will over. Get yourself out of the way. And take from God. Take from God. Take from God. You've heard of that saying, let go, let God. Let go, let God. This makes you a true man or woman of God. It's not how much you know. It's not how well you can sing or preach. It's not how well you do at work, how good looking you are. Don't try and bring any of that stuff. Just receive from Him. When you go into your prayer time, just open your heart and receive. Say, Father, I'm here for you. I want you. Receive, receive. Learn to take His promises and take hold of them in your heart. Receive them. They're already yours. They're yours. 